Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28. We're going to end today this series of Reaching Our Neighbors, and we're going to look at our assignment. God has given us a divine assignment. All of us have the same assignment if we are a believer in Jesus Christ. As the church, we have an assignment. As a believer, we have the same assignment. And so this morning, I want to look at that. Now, um, one of the things I've, I did this week is I was thinking about this assignment. As we look at Matthew's Gospels, these are the last words of Jesus. And so I got to thinking about last words, and I got to thinking about what were people's dying words that people have said. And so did a little search, and you could, you could find people's, a lot of people's dying words. And so let me, let me share a few of them with you. Uh, let me give you uh, Frank, Frank Sinatra's dying words were, I'm losing it. That was, that was what he said as he was, as he was slipping from this earth. Um, let's go to the next one um, Harriet Truman she was uh, 1913 she was, uh, she was gathered with her family they were all swing, singing and her final words were swing low sweet chariot those were her last words as she was there with her family Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> This was overly modest of him, as a saying. He, I've offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Now, now think about that. Think about those words he said because the Mona Lisa wasn't good enough. Anybody a painter here? We've got some painters in the room. I mean, the Mona Lisa wasn't good enough. He offended God. I'm thinking, daggone. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, Mona Lisa. Um, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, at, at 84, uh, his daughter was with him, and she kept saying, Daddy, I, I need you to roll over, change positions. It, it'll be easier on you. And he said, a dying man could do nothing easy. Those were his words. Anybody remember Pistol Pete? Remember how he passed away? Pistol Pete playing a game of pickup basketball. I feel great. Those were his last words. Winston Churchill. I'm bored with it all. No more. And then the last one, the poet. Emily Dickinson, I must go in, for the fog is rising. These are interesting words. I don't know, maybe you've got somebody you'd like to, to look up this afternoon and see what their last words were. Maybe you know a family member, their last words were. We come to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. These were 
Jesus' words, but Jesus' words were not meant to be last words, but lasting words. Words that meant something, words that challenged us, that were to motivate us, to move us, not were not something we just think about and, and they're, oh, those were sweet and he's gone. They were lasting words. So this morning, let's look at these words. If you have your Bibles and you're at Matthew 28, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word? We'll look at 16 through 20. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can be seated. I want you to catch these. I want you to catch these words. As we looked at these words of these others, these are not words of a dying man. These are words of a resurrected man. These are not words of a man who's on his last breath, but on a man who has full life. This is not a man who is losing his mind, but his mind is keen and clear. This is a man who is giving clear orders, who is ready for the church, his disciples, to go and to conquer. These are lasting words. Lasting words that will change the world. Lasting words that you and I need to hear. So here's our big idea today. Jesus' last words were meant to be lasting words. To make disciples. To make disciples which is the assignment of every church and every believer. Catch that. Make disciples, which is the assignment of every church and every believer. Regardless if you're eight or 80, if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, your responsibility is to make disciples. That's our divine assignment. Do you understand that role? Uh, it, it's that time of year for school systems that begin to get progress reports. Students in the room, you like progress reports? You like progress reports? No. I, I didn't like progress reports. Uh, if I could get the progress report before my parents, well, I won't tell you what I did because Drew's in the room. But um, there was this thing, I didn't like progress reports. You know, because what does a progress report tell you? 
the progress of what you're doing. My progress report was never that great. And I had to get it better, Drew. I had to get it better. And there were consequences, Drew, of me not getting it better. Just needed to make sure I added my consequences there. So, that's what it is. So this morning, here's, the, here's us evaluating Jesus' words on a, di, on a divine assignment, asking ourselves, what's our progress report on making disciples? So let me give you three things that we're supposed to be looking at, because Jesus gives us these three things. First thing is, recognize God has all authority. He tells us that. Recognize God has all authority. Now, when I talk to somebody who goes, I don't believe in a God, I always wonder, well, how do you think things work out? Because you and I don't have all authority, right? I mean, I can't command it to rain today, can you? I can't command the sun to come out. I can't command anything to take place. I can't even command the, the, the restaurant to get my order right at times. I mean, go, go through a drive-thru, and sometimes they don't get it right, right? No matter how clear you made it, it could come out wrong. Go to a restaurant, that happens. So, to think that we have all authority would be crazy. But who does? God in heaven. And Jesus tells us that. Look at verse 18 again in our text. Jesus said to them, what, church? All authority, all authority has been given to me. And so, if all authority has been given to him, there's two things that happen when you and I recognize that he has all authority. Two things. And he tells us in the text the two things that happened. The first comes from verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they what, church? They worshiped. When you recognize that Jesus has all authority, you worship him. You worship him. You come to a place and you realize who has all authority. Who has the authority to set things right in the world? Do you? Do I? Do the Republicans? Do the Democrats? No, only God. Only God can fix what we've got going on here. He has all the authority. And here's the thing. When we recognize that, it changes the way we live our life. Listen, our actions reveal our priorities, do they not? Let me think about it. Your actions say a lot about your priorities. Last weekend, Kentucky played the night game. And, and they played very well, much better than they played yesterday. Although we'll take the win yesterday. They played the night game. We had, we had some church members who went to that game. Who, as they came to church Sunday morning, they told me what time they got in from the game. Wee hours of the morning. But their priorities, they had priorities. The priorities were to come to church. Priorities were to worship. Now, I'm grateful. And I, I love them because I know where their priorities are. 
But I also know we've got other people who have priorities who they come in from, from other events at 10 o'clock at night and go, ah, let's just not go to church tomorrow. It's been a long day. Priorities reveal your actions. That's all it is. You, you have to determine where are your priorities. Get it? And, and we see priorities in this verse because some worship and some did what? Doubted. What do your priorities say about God? What do they say? If, if we have time, if we're not tired, we'll go to church, we'll worship. Or no matter what happens, we'll go. What do your priorities, what do your priorities say about God? Listen, I've said this throughout COVID, and you know I've said this. God's going to use COVID to cleanse his church. We're going to see the real church through COVID. Because for some, the church became a social club, not a place of worship, not a place to make disciples. The second thing we see is, is in verse 18. Jesus said, they came near and he, what? He said to them, said to them. So that means they heard him. They heard him. Listen, when you recognize Jesus has authority, you not only worship him, but you hear him. You hear him. You're, you're able to hear the voice of God. You're, you're able to recognize God is speaking to you. Do you hear God? When you open God's word, are you listening and hearing God? Does God speak to you? Reminds me of the, the guy, the elderly father, wife had passed away, and the kids, the kids were all over their dad. Couldn't hear. They'd always come to the house. The TV was at max volume. They were always screaming, Dad, can you hear us? Dad, 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 you need hearing aids. So the father one day went and finally had his hearing checked. Doctor got him some hearing aids. He went back for a follow-up. Doctor said, Mr. Smith, you, you can hear well. You're, you're almost perfect hearing. What do your kids think? I haven't told them, but I've changed my wheel three times. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you start listening and worshiping, you begin to hear the voice of God. You begin to hear the voice of God because you acknowledge the power of God. Do you recognize the, the power of God in your life? Is God the most powerful thing in your life? Or do you put something else in that role? Does your career become more powerful than God? Your family more powerful than God? Your bank account more powerful than God? Your kids, your hobby? Or do you recognize that God is the most powerful thing in your life? When you recognize God's the most powerful thing in your life, everything else falls in its place. 
But when he's the most powerful thing in your life, that becomes priority. The second thing we learn in this text is we've got to obey God's divine assignment. We have to obey God's divine assignment. Again, he's given all of us a divine assignment. When people go, hey, you know, I don't know what God has for me. I'm not sure what God wants me to do in my life. I can tell you all of us have one divine assignment. Now, he may call some of us to pastors, some of us to be youth ministers, some of us to be worship pastors, some of us to, to teach Sunday school, some of us to, to be a deacon. The, he may have other roles for you to play, but we all have one divine assignment. One divine assignment. Look at verse 19. Therefore, or go therefore and what? Make disciples. That's what we're to do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's the key in this verse. That's the action step we're to take in these verses. Make disciples. And let me, let me just be honest with you. Churches have forgotten that. I have forgotten that at times. We're to make disciples. We're not to draw a crowd. It's not about how many we can get on a Sunday morning. It's about how many disciples we make. And there's a difference. We, we, can, we can get a large gathering. Large gatherings are, are cool and nice and it looks good and full buildings. But if we're not making disciples, we've only gathered a crowd. Making disciples means they're going out and reaching more and making more disciples. Large gatherings are just filling a room and leaving and going, well, that was nice. Wonder what they'll do next week. Every one of us are to make disciples. And he gives us three pieces that we're supposed to do to make disciples. The first one is go. Go. We're not to wait for them to come in. We're not, we're not to, to be waiting for them. We're not to be the church that says, y'all come, we're here. We're on the corner of South Green and College. You all, y'all, the doors are open anytime you want to come. Just fill the place. We're here. We're to go. And there was a period in church history that churches had the philosophy that we build it, they come. And that's the wrong idea. In fact, many of us have this philosophy and still do that that there are four things that people would flock to us for. And, and the problem is those four things don't make disciples. That people will come because of the place. They love the architecture. They love the four columns. They love what it looks like. Because we love it. We, you know, we love the building. That's, they'll come because what it looks like. 
They'll come because of the personality. We'll get, we'll get a preacher or a staff who has a personality. Sometimes that backfires on us. Well, they'll come because of the program. Oh, but if, we, if we'll go back and have this program or that program, they'll come. You remember the day when we used to do this program? If we just start that program again, they'll come. And people will come because of the people in the building. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are people who come because of the place, the personality, the people, and the program. But here's what happens. The place gets run down. The personality leaves or they get upset with the personality. The program's die or need to die and the people they get mad at them and when they come for those four things what happened well let's go find another let's go find another church where we like the the place the personality the program or the people and what did they do they just church hop and the reality is we didn't draw them in for the right reason. We didn't make disciples. We only brought them in on place, personality, people, and program. We never made a disciple. So where to go? Where to make disciples? Make disciples. Disciple-making is completely different than drawing them in for the wrong reasons. That means we're on mission for the same reason. That means we're on mission because of the cause of Christ. That means, yes, we're not always going to agree on everything, but we're going to agree for the mission. And the other stuff, take it or leave it. The mission's the more important. The second thing he tells us we're, we're to go, we are to baptize. We're to baptize. There's that word there, baptize, means to immerse. Now, we know there's no saving, there's sa- no saving element in baptism. But we know that there's a piece of the puzzle in baptizing. Because Baptism is the first act of obedience. And it's a part of our obedience to what Christ has commanded us to do. In fact, Jesus sets the example for us. And so Jesus himself, the Son of God, comes to this earth, goes to John the Baptist and says, baptize me. John the Baptist says, baptize you? I need to be baptized by you, not you, me baptizing you. It should be the other way around. Jesus says, no, no. You baptize me. If Jesus himself, a son of God, is baptized, then why wouldn't we? It, it leaves the question for, for people, for me to ask this question. Why wouldn't you be baptized? Are you ashamed of God? 
I wouldn't think that would be the case. I mean, I can't, I can't believe you'd say, I believe in God and be ashamed to say, to a point and say, well, I can't be baptized because I'm ashamed of God. Because if you're willing to say, I trust God as my personal Lord and Savior, how, how come you won't be baptized? I, I just can't think it would be a shamed issue, which typically leads to the second question. Are you ashamed of yourself? Because why else wouldn't you want to follow Publicly, the example Christ set for us. Most people will come to a place and say, I don't see the need. And again, the answer I have to come to is, if Christ calls you to be baptized, if he set the example, why not? As a parent, you would tell your child, I want, you to eat your, I want you to brush your teeth. If the child said, I don't see the need, would you just say, okay? Or would you say, no, no, I know better, brush your teeth. See, there comes a point where you have to decide why. Now, for some people, uh, you know, occasionally I've come across people who, who can't be baptized. They've got health reasons, they can't get into the baptistry, those types of things. But then there comes to a place if a person's unwilling to be baptized, then there's almost a place that I have to wonder if it's just out of disobedience. And then there's a question, if, 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 if you're willing to be just disobedient, is there really a relationship with the Lord? Because he's called us to go. He's called us to be baptized. Baptism is the first command we're to take. It's a command to be obedient. If you're unwilling to be obedient there, then why? What means you're going to do anything else? So we're to, we're to teach that. We're to go Make disciples, and making disciples is a life of obedience. The third thing he tells us in this text is to teach. To teach. It's to teach them to obey all I've commanded. And again, if there's the going, there's the baptizing, and there's the teaching. We, we have this this thing that we look at all that Jesus has done, we're helping them learn how to teach them. Teach them what Christ has commanded them. And, and listen, as a church, sometimes we fail in the teaching because we, we just get them to the point of baptism and, okay, we got you in and out of the water. Good luck. You're on your own. We'll see you the next, next meeting. And we miss the teaching. A teaching is walking with somebody, helping them grow. Years ago, I stepped out of Goodyear for just, just about a year. Um, stepped away from, this is when I worked for an independent before I went to corporate. And I was working for a, a church member. He, and he, I was doing tents, actually. And he also got back into equipment rental business. 
you used to own one of the largest central, uh, largest equipment rental uh, businesses in central Kentucky. And he got back into that business. And so in my spare time, he was using me to do some things. And I, I didn't know some things about equipment. And he had a guy who, who kind of took me in to teach me some things about the equipment. And he'd always say this, well, you're not going to learn any younger. And I, and I love that phrase, you're not going to learn any younger. And so what he would do is, I'd go, well, I don't know how to operate that piece of equipment. Well, you're not going to learn any younger. Come on. And he would just throw me on the machine. Well, not literally, but he would put me on the machine and teach me how to operate the machine, which was a good thing because one day I ended up in the middle of nowhere with nobody to operate a piece of machine. I had to put it back on a trailer by myself. And good thing nobody was there with a camera to watch me try to do that. But but, you know, I always remember that phrase, you're not going to learn any younger. And that's the same thing that we need to do with making disciples. We need to walk with them because they're not going to learn it on their own. And they're not going to learn it by themselves. We need to walk with them, helping them understand God's promise. And so the third thing we find in this text is we got to trust God's promise. We call it the Great Commission. I love to call this God's, uh, the Great Promise. It, it is God's commissioning for the disciples, but it's also, for me, God's great promise. Because as we look at this, it's one of those things that it's just not, it's just not him saying, good luck, but it's a promise. Uh, look at verse 20 again with me. Verse 20 in the text tells us this. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. In other words, God is with us constantly. Constantly. Meaning there's no place you can escape from God. You, when you go to walk with somebody... When you go to share the gospel with somebody, when you go someplace to encounter somebody, God's with you. God's right there with you. He's going to be with you constantly. But look at the end of the verse. I will be with you always to the end of the age. He's constant and continual. Constant and continual. No matter where we are, no matter what we do, continually, he'll be with us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad? Our, our divine assignment, we're not alone. He doesn't put us out and say, well, good luck. It, the first time I ever left by myself as a, as a traveling salesman in the truck, I can remember driving by the locations and going, yep, there's one. I'll just, I'll stop there next week. I'll get to the next, oh, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're outside, but I'll, I'll probably stop there next week. I was nervous. I don't have to be with God because he walks with us. He's there with us continually. Continually. We have a divine assignment. 
question is, how well are we going to respond to that divine assignment? In 2007, there was a stabbing in Wichita, Kansas. A young lady was Lashanda Calloway. Lashanda was going into a convenience store and she was stabbed. On the, on the camera system in the convenience store, the sheriff's department noticed five people who came in the convenience store while she had been stabbed leaning up against the, the, the aisle, step over her. Never said a word to her. Five people. One of them took a picture of her with her cell phone camera. In fact, the, the sheriff, Norman Williams, said, that's crazy. What is this world coming to? That we have no respect for one another. LaShonda passed away in that fatal stabbing that night. Now, the thing is, I, I, I don't think that any one of us in this room would walk into a convenience store and somebody laying there stabbed would step over them and not speak to them. Certainly wouldn't think anybody in this room would, would take a picture with them and not say anything. Oh, I don't have any fear of that. But I do think we take a lot of pictures with people. We post on social media. We hang out with people all the time who are dying and going to hell. And I just wonder, how much do we ever stop and think about that person and where they're going to spend eternity? Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you ever stop and think, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with, with so-and-so and we're laughing, we're going places, we're doing this, we're, 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 we're taking selfies and putting it on Instagram, we're going here, we're doing this, we're all these things, and yet I've never shared the gospel with them. I've never challenged them in their faith in God. I've never asked them about a relationship with Jesus. I would ask you, what's the difference? Oh, sure, one's a disgrace to human humanity that you do that in a convenience store with a person dying right there on the spot. But the other offends God that you hang out with somebody and you never stop and ask them or challenge them in their faith. So who would you rather offend? God or humanity? We have a divine assignment. How's your report card or your progress report? How well are you doing in making disciples? This morning, maybe God's placed somebody on your heart Maybe you know somebody you need to be sharing the gospel with and walking with them, helping them grow, helping them 
navigate the waters that God has called them to. Maybe today you, you need to stop and just begin praying. God, what do I do? How do I start this journey? How do I, give me wisdom in this conversation. Give me an opportunity start there. Maybe you're here this morning and, and your first step is you need to be baptized. You need to be obedient. Maybe you need to make a decision for Christ. Whatever the case may be, would you just follow God? Would you just respond in the way that God leads you today? You can come here. I'll be here. Love to talk to you. Mike and JJ will be at these doors. They'd love to talk to you. Whatever the case may be today, would you respond as we stand?